and welcome to the Firmware Emotive Podcast and you are listening to John Kai Herbert. Now in this podcast I'm going to talk about isms and what do I mean about isms? Well like capitalism, communism, socialism, transhumanism, um, those those umbrella terms that we use for dogma or rules of instruction on how to run systems or how to have certain beliefs in how the world should run. Now, a lot of us would say that we live in a capitalist society and, um, and you'd be partially right and then there'd be some of us that might say if you're in China per se that you live in a, a communism or a communist um, type environment and some of you would be right um, what we've got at the moment in a lot of the world is a mishmash of everything and and I feel until you dive into the detail of of what's actually going on is that you know, we don't really have any specific isms that are, that are governing all of them so if we look at capitalism right now um, what we're seeing is we have um, subsidies um, going to industry and people, which actually negates the concept of capitalism. Um, the, the the free market concept is um, is one of capitalism's founding principles. However, we don't have a free market. Like we have um, organisations that um, barter and negotiate for special deals, whether it's reduced tax or some other kind of um, uh, goodies or candies that will bring them to their shores or state or town or whatever it is. And then with communism, so look, if we look at China in particular, they don't have a strict communist policy because there's people in the country that are exceedingly wealthy and um, don't share. And there's still quite a bit of poverty in China and people looking for jobs, particularly in the farmlands. So um, they aren't a strict communist um, regime, um, even if their dominant party is a communist party. They still adopt principles of capitalism. Um, And then um, socialism. So if we look at Venezuela, um, I feel like their um, the socialist experiment um, has, has deeply failed in Venezuela, um, and um, anyone that's spent time in a socialist country, um, and I have friends that have done this, um, will say that it, it's not a form of government that is a solution either, because um, of the human condition, which is where I feel like this podcast will go is down the path of. It doesn't matter what kind of book smart or theoretical model that you want to overlay over a country or an organisation, at the root of all of it will be the human condition. So, jumping back to Venezuela and the, and the socialism, like there was people who are greedy. There are people who are looking to take advantage of poverty, advantage of their positions of power, and this is a common theme through all of my podcasts where um, like crooked kings and crooked queens and 
and people that find themselves or navigate their way to become in positions of power, that if they're not aware of their shadow, that it will always boil down to someone oppressing somebody else or someone taking advantage of somebody else or somebody wanting to lord their power over somebody who doesn't have any or who, who is in a position not to be able to fight. Um, so uh, with isms, like there's a lot of arguments that I see on the internet and and in places where you know you're not supposed to have arguments like at the dinner table and um, around what's a better system. Now, um, my argument is it doesn't matter what system you try and overlay, whether it's transhumanism, capitalism, socialism or communism, at the root there is always the human condition. And what is that human condition? That human condition is the part of us that wants to feel full, wants to feel satisfied, wants to feel um, safe. And in all of those, um, they tie back to your childhood. It ties back to what you didn't get in childhood, you'll try and fulfill in adulthood. So, for example, um, if you um, were quite poor in childhood, you might have sweared to yourself at some point in your development that you will never be poor, you'll never be poor like your parents, you will always have money, and then you will strive to get as much money as you can, and you will start to get friends that have the same money, you'll start to attract all kinds of things in your life, and part of you will feel like it's it's this element of success that you've had, you know, I've, I've worked hard to do this hard slog to get all this money, and I'm not denying that, you may have, however... Like, how much is enough for you? Like, how much money is enough? Like, how much of that money can be used for a legacy, if you want to leave a legacy, of course? Or, like, how much do you need in order to feel satiated? And when I look at people who, have, who are multimillionaires or billionaires, I ask the question, like, how will you know when enough is enough? And... A lot of that boils down to your experience in childhood, um, where like your parents may or may not have been wealthy, or um, even from wealthy parents, where the parents felt like whatever they have was never enough. You take that energy on board, and if you got into a position of power, then there's a temptation there to justify getting whatever you need, and. When I look at politics, I see the same thing playing out as well. Like they could have come from quite wealthy families. They may have gone to like law school or they may have done something in their life that gives them an element of credibility and status that makes them believe and feel like they could be a leader. However, when they get into politics, it's not the same. Like it's the the methods of negotiation and the temptation to take things for yourself or to reinforce your family, to bolster your family's legacy, are great. And I have saw this in the corporate world with elements of nepotism. What's nepotism? Nepotism is where you give favour to people that you're related to or that you know or that would have um, 
some form of flow and effect that might be positive for you, whether it's a positive feeling or whether it's material or immaterial. Um, so for me, in the corporate world, there were elements of, of nepotism that played out frequently, and um, there's a lot of frustration in that, particularly from people who have felt like they've, they've done their hard dues, that they've done like they've spent their time in the trenches and now it's time to be promoted or um, to get a bonus or, or whatever it is. And this is where I feel like the human condition, or it always boils down to the human condition, like are you in integrity? Are you honouring your word? Like what, what of your morals have you allowed to slip? And this tends to happen perniciously, what do I mean by perniciously? Destructive over time and not necessarily always obvious. So it might just start with, you know, taking some stationery home from your job. You know, you justify it. Oh, you know, they pay me like shit, so I'm just going to take a stapler. Then, you know, it moves on to maybe you work in marketing and it's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to give this person a discount because he's going to get me get me onto the golf course next week or I know I'll get a good bottle of wine at the end of the year if I if I do this um, so the, the undertone of the shadow of the, the parts of you that wants to get something you know like what's your secondary gain for this appearing altruistic motive and this takes a great deal of honesty and not an honesty that most people want to walk into because it requires you to look at a lot of your, your darkness and this shit and this seedy underbelly of, of, of humanity. And, and it also, um, it changes your energy around people too. Like, um, what I, personally what I've found is that the more shadow I go into on myself, the much more, the greater willingness people have to want to step into that space of mind and, and people tell me all kinds of things that, that, that's happened in their life um, and stuff that they're ashamed of and guilty of and um, and they just want to be able to tell someone in a, in a non-judgmental space. So if there's any healers out there, I feel like the more you can, you can dip into that part of you that acknowledges, but not just like ah, superficially acknowledge, but actually just acknowledge deeply that there's a part of you that, that, that is selfish, that is stubborn, that does like feeling superior, that does do things to, to angle their way into sex and money, um, that does things to feel um, a connection and, and a sense of belonging. Um, and all of these things, like, at, at the end of the day, we're all the same. And I think... No, I, I really deeply feel that there's a lot of us that, that have trouble seeing these as just normal human traits, so we shame them. And this shame has come from like family and schooling and, um, and the, the ridicule and humiliation that can come with admitting or wanting for, asking for things at, at, a, at, a, at a real authentic level. Um, like, I miss you, I find you attractive, um, um, I just want to have sex with you, or like I want more money, like I want more money, I don't think I'm getting paid enough. Or So there's a balance of I want to stay in this job because it gives me the security, 
and I'm going to take stuff from home, or and I'm going to take stationery home, and I'm going to take this because I feel like I deserve it because I didn't get my manager didn't compliment me today. So there's always this undertone of like what I didn't get, what didn't I get, what didn't I get, and a fear of asking for what we actually want. So jumping back to the isms, uh, I'll mention transhumanism. So for me, like I. I've I've I came from a transhumanist community and and they feel like um, like nature is inherently flawed and is against us um, and we need to do things to extend um, our age as long as possible like live forever and so far as to go is to like replace organs so like replace your heart replace your arm um, voluntarily. Um, it's also quite a large biohacking community that's, that's, that's piggybacked into it as well. Um, there are also some splinter groups like uh, techno um which believes that we should be doing using technology to work with nature. Um, however, I feel like there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's multiple avenues within the transhumanist community. And they, and they would classify like vaccinations and, and modern medicine and technology like computers, phones, um, chips, um, Wi-Fi. A lot of the technology that we have in the world as um, evolutionary for transhumanism. Now, there, there's some definite um, positives in the transhumanist community and in, in transhumanism. Um, and I feel like like when it comes to science, like it, it, it's, it's, it helps us understand the world and it can create things that can, on the surface and in one lifetime, seem quite destructive. Um, and again, it takes humility to accept that not everything is perfect and that humans are fallible. Um, and this ties into like the scientific method and, and approval for medicines and approval for technology and and um, the amount of red tape and bureaucracy that's required to approve new medications and how it's governed by, monopolised by industry that has large funds that can push through clinical trials, that can push through certain things. So the, the longer you've been in the game, the more of an edge that you have when it comes to, to certain industries. Um, and back to transhumanism, so there's a... The, the perniciousness that I see in transhumanism is wanting to replace humans. Um, seeing humans as fallible, inherently fallible, which we are, and we can also address it if we choose to. Um, so there seems to be a very black and white thinking when you, when you go to isms. Um, there's no grey area for where the, the humanity tends to fall through. Where... Uh, there's a, a human component when you're, when you're dealing with people and an ideology or a dogma or an ism um, doesn't always allow for that. Um, and you try, we try and reductionistically look at things and try and take it down to the, 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 the smallest level to try and tease it apart and understand it. And, and in doing that, we lose something. We lose something that, that, that I think... Religion um, um, applies to it. Um, spirituality applies to to these to these dogmas. Um, yeah, it feels more like a a spiritual thing than a religious thing. Um, so, 
at, at a spiritual level, like a, we, we, we miss the spark. Um, no, no, in a, using spirituality, we revisit the spark of, of what these isms overlook. So like in transhumanism, they don't believe that we really have a soul. We don't, they don't really believe that, that, um, that, that nature is a, um, something that, that, that can be worked with in the exception of technogainism. And in the community, it feels like there's a, um, like a distrust of uh, the feminine uh, and a wanting to dominate um, at an intellectual level, um, which I understand. Like um, it, it's very unsettling to sit in like existential anxiety or the feelings around um, not knowing the answer to things, and and in that, like I feel like we we, we look for solutions for things that, that that don't always benefit us as a whole. Um, the hyperdimensional component in in with transhumanism is looking to. Um, harvest the souls of humans so if you can capture capture the body in a way that, that keeps it in a digital form then it doesn't really escape the earth and get reborn so there's there's that component too which for me is like yeah I think we're going to be alright to be honest and with transhumanism they also want to replace um, the womb uh, they want to be able to do something called ectogenesis which is where um, they grow a child, a fetus, outside of the womb. And they've had success with doing it to lambs and, and animals. So, And the justification is, um, coming off the back of the feminist movement, where we want women to be more like men. And so women can achieve whatever they want to achieve. And, and I feel like, and I've spoken about this before, when we... We go to isms, and I'll include feminism in this, um, where we look to dogma to try and dictate how we should live our life. We tend to create things, um, externalities, that we don't really understand or really know that they were going to form, and, and we don't really know how to negotiate them. So they kind of put in this category of an externality, and it's, oh, it's somebody else's problem, as long as we can push our dogma because it feels right and it fits for us. Which I see a lot of the, the, the humans that will push a particular um, ism will, will be of that, it will advantage them. So secondary gain, like when you push an idea and a concept that's, that's, that's founded in dogma or matrix scripting, then what is it in for you? What what is it for you that you get out of this? Like control, superiority. Like how does it flip the table for you so you get what you're not getting right now? And I feel that requires a lot of honesty, and which is where we boil back to the human condition: is how honest are you willing to be with yourself? How honest are you willing to be that if you got in a position of power, um, how would you use it? How would you be willing to look at those shadows and the secondary gains for your decisions. For to be a, a king or a queen, you really need to acknowledge that there is evil within you. There is evil that will want to take advantage. There is evil that will want to try and suckle some secondary gain 
from making a decision. Um, and transparency is, is, a, is a huge component of being able to, to cut head that off at the pass. And for me in the corporate world, like I pushed for transparency in a, in a big way. Like I wanted transparency of wages, transparency of, of everything. Um, and I feel the same needs to be in government. You know, transparency of wages, a transparency of what your workload is, a transparency of whatever's going on. And I feel like this, the notion of, oh, the, the public doesn't need to know some things or your staff don't need to know some things, I think is bullshit. Because it really, that, that I feel reinforces your insecurity about your worth. It really enforces that, that you want to keep secrets because you feel like you're being overpaid or you feel like whatever you're doing isn't enough. So, like, I feel like um, the more conversations and the more transparency that is had around money and motives and intention as a collective, we will start to see much, 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 much more of this bubbling through. So the more honestly we can speak and, and, and speak from the heart and, and feeling, the more we will see transparently coming through into systems and, and government. And then some of this dogma that, that um, permeates a lot of our academics and intellectuals, because I feel like at a university level, like you learn some of this dogma, you learn some of this ideology, and you feel like it's the truth. And I, I argue with a lot of academics and they're very knowledgeable and they don't have the answers to all the questions which tend to boil down to the human spirit, the human condition. Like what at the root cause didn't you get in childhood and how are you trying to overcompensate for that now in adulthood? That feels like all that I need to say on that. If you got this far, thank you very, very much. And if you feel like sharing it, if you feel like there's someone that would benefit from hearing this, I think you've, you've got a picture of them in your mind right now, um, forward it onto them. See if they want to have a listen or, you know, you negotiate with them how you feel like they need, they need to be or like to be spoken to. Big love and I will talk to you all soon in the next one. Bye.